And one of those light bulb moments I've received during this series is that most of the New Testament, or the vast majority of the New Testament is really built upon the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it's really an unpacking of the commands that we are going through right here with Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. And if you think about it that way, that, 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 that should make sense. Jesus is building a foundation that all the other authors in the New Testament really are just, again, unpacking or building upon. So thankful that you have joined us here today. We're continuing on in our series in Matthew chapter 5. In just a moment, we'll get right away to God's Word. But Pastor Robbie Simons, our teacher in this series, is also here. And and Robbie, I know you you love this time of year, and and this message today is really fitting for this time of year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I do love this time of year, man, just thinking of the day that it is today right now. I mean, I'm probably sure you're like me in some ways. You know, the presents, sure, whatever, and eggnog, yeah, and the trees. All that stuff could be great and beautiful, but, man, at the end of the day, the incarnation is unbelievable. The truth of God sending his son to take on flesh and to dwell with us, that he might live and then die and be raised from the dead. What a gift. What a time of year to be amazed. What a, a time to sense the mercy of God that is shining upon us through Jesus Christ. And wouldn't you know it that our message today is all about the gratitude and the thanksgiving for the mercy of God seen in Christ and even in the Beatitudes here. So we have entitled this series today and this message today as Merry Mercy. And it's a very important one. So Merry Christmas indeed. But hey, listen, man, happy mercy to you too. The mercy of God is the best through his son. So we're praying, especially for our listeners, you will be unusually filled with a sense of the Lord, his wonder, his goodness, and he will comfort you in your need and bless you with his strength regardless of where you are and uh, where you hope to be right now. All right, friends, it's Matthew 5, verse 7. We're calling it Merry Mercy. And let's go again to Ravi with today's message. Okay, so I'm reminding us here, reminding us um, what we're in right now. This is the blessed life. All right, so you, you got to know that and you got to believe that. Matthew chapter 5, in these Beatitudes, this is the blessed life. Uh, I remind you that the Beatitudes contain really what Jesus is telling us, which is the secret to happiness. And that's what we're studying. That's what we're applying. That's what we're desiring to learn more about. So that's a very, very big deal. I mean, you are discovering what the secret of happiness is. One of the light bulbs that I've personally received during this series, and I love light bulbs. It's those moments of learning, those aha moments. So like, ah, oh, I finally get it. And one of those light bulb moments I've received during this series is that most of the New Testament, or the vast majority of the New Testament is really built upon the Sermon on the Mount. Um, It's really an unpacking of the commands that we are going through right here with Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. And if you think about it that way, that, 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 that should make sense. Jesus is building a foundation that all the other authors in the New Testament really are just, again, unpacking or building upon. And one of the things I've, I've realized about that is Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, and then a lot of the New Testament's unpacking those commands, is how much the Holy Spirit uh, repeats themes within Scripture, 
Have you noticed that? That really there's, there's, there's so many things that are repeated and taught. They're just packaged differently or in fresh packages. Why does the Bible keep telling us the same thing in different ways? Well, I think it's because we are sheep and sheep are dumb. Yes, yes. So God in his grace, he desires to keep telling us it's, 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 it's the simplicity of these commands and, and keep listening. And this is so critical for our series. For the rest of our lives, you must be convinced that Matthew chapter five in the Beatitudes um, is the blessed life. You gotta be convinced that this is the blessed life. Some of you are like, well, Robbie, you keep saying that. I know, because we are sheep and, and sheep are dumb, right? Now, no, no, don't be offended by that. Embrace that. Embrace the fact that we need to hear this all the time. Have you got to that place yet? Like, you, you don't arrive at the fulfillment of the Beatitudes until Jesus Christ returns. So every day we need to hear this. So one of the signs that you are growing in maturity is that you realize you need to grow in maturity. And I've said that a lot before too, because we need to hear it again and again and again. This is the opportunity we have right now. This is the blessing that we are being asked to believe in. And so here today is more of the blessed life, the life that God blesses. And again, I remind you of this too. The hungry heart right now is like, tell me more. Tell me more about this blessed life because I know I need to learn more. I need to feed on more with this blessed life. All right, then for you then, Matthew chapter five, uh, verse seven. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Again, remember, blessed is happy, fulfilled. Happy are those who are merciful. Our bottom line for today is this. The one who receives mercy, we'll get to that in just a second. The one who receives mercy is the one who extends mercy is the one who is happy. Let me say that again. The one who receives mercy from the Lord and gets it is the one who extends mercy from their life that is the person that will be happy. And I remind you, I'm reminding a lot right now because that's what we need. The Beatitudes, you don't just pick out verse seven and say, I'm working on mercy and neglect the rest. The Beatitudes come as a package. And we've seen that from the first Beatitude to the fifth today. They are growing in sequence with design by the Holy Spirit as Jesus Christ is teaching us in this way. So happy are the merciful. Therefore, our sermon title this weekend is Merry Mercy. I like that. Merry Christmas, yes. Merry Mercy, yes, okay? Because happy are the merciful, so Merry Mercy. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say Merry Mercy. There you go, go ahead, there you go. Merry Mercy, ho, 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 yeah, for no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Merry Mercy, that's what we're going for today. So let's get started on this beautiful beatitude then. Point number one is this, I must know the meaning of mercy. I must know the meaning of mercy. I find that mercy is often one of those words that is used, but often it's not fully or properly understood even among believers. Let's say right now I came up to you and I said, give me your definition of mercy. Because you would know the word, you would say it a lot. You might be able to point to a verse or something like that, but what does it mean? What does it mean to you? Could you accurately describe that to your kids or to your friend? What is your definition of mercy? Here's a helpful way to understand mercy. It's to contrast it or compare it to grace. And here's a simple definition for mercy and grace. This is probably one that you've heard. If you haven't, at least you should. I'll put this on the screen for us here. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve 
It's a very simple definition, but I think it's helpful. When I first heard it, I remember that several years ago, I was like, oh, that's very helpful to me. I pray it's helpful to some of you who haven't. So mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And grace, on the other hand, is getting, grace is a gift. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Let's unpack that a little bit. We deserve death because of our sin. Mercy, the mercy of God, withholds the punishment of death that we deserve. Mercy gives us relief from the pain of our sin. Again, we deserve to be punished for that. The mercy of God withholds that punishment from us because he loves us so much. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. What about grace then? Well, grace is getting the gift that we don't deserve. And so grace then that we don't deserve eternal life. It's not fair that some people say, how is it fair that some are saved and some are not saved? The the real question is, how is it fair that anyone is saved? That's the proper question. It's not fair. It's not fair to God that any one of us would be saved because none of us deserve it. That's called grace. It's the grace of God that you can breathe right now. It's the grace of God that you can ever laugh or have any kind of food in your fridge right now. And my, my goodness, it's the grace of God that we are saved in Jesus Christ if we know him, believe him by faith. Grace is a gift that we do not deserve. Now, these little definitions are helpful and they're a little bit cute in that way too, but we can do better. I think we can go a little bit deeper. Amen, sheep? Amen? Amen? All right. So let's, so let's, let's look at it this way then. Mercy deals with pain and misery and distress as it pertains to sin. I'll say that again. Mercy deals with the results of sin the pain we feel, the misery we can go through, the distress. Mercy deals with the results of sin, while grace deals with sin itself. Grace takes on sin as a whole. Grace wipes us clean. So again, mercy deals with the results of sin. Grace deals with sin itself. You can say it this way. Mercy extends relief from sin. Grace grants pardon from sin. See the difference there? Mercy, relief, grace, pardon. So if you're like me as a kid, every now and then you got into a mercy fight. Anyone else? Anyone else as a kid? Three of us, unbelievable. Okay, so I got a mercy fight as a kid sometimes and you got your hands locked and, and you went under and everything. And at some point, if you were getting, losing the fight, your hands were like this and what do you yell? You say, Mercy, mercy. And that means relieve me from the pain you just put me under, right? I give up. Give me mercy. Grant me relief from the misery that I'm feeling right now. That is mercy. Mercy gives relief through pity. Grace cleanses completely through power. Here's how, just to make sure we get this, I think if you can carry this with you forever, this is really good. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says this on the screen for you. He says, Grace is especially associated with men in their sins. Mercy is especially associated with men in their misery. In other words, while grace looks down upon sin as a whole, mercy looks especially upon the miserable consequences of sin. So mercy then, and that's what we're focusing on today, blessed are the merciful, mercy then, especially in our context of Matthew chapter five, verse seven, mercy as it comes from us is a beautiful combination of pity, of pity 
and a desire to alleviate suffering that is around us. Because that's what's happened to us from the love of God. And if we embrace the love of God, then we are told that we are to extend the same type of mercy and love to those that we encounter uh, within this life. So I must know the meaning of mercy. I hope that has helped on some level. Number two is this now. I must know the uh, mercy that I have received. I must know that I have received mercy from God if I am saved in Jesus Christ. Again, Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So look at that verse there. Let it sink in. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Some people want to take this verse and want to turn it into legalism. Some people, they say in verse seven, I will only get mercy then from God if I give mercy in my life. So what some people want to mean that this says is, therefore, receiving mercy from God really depends on what I end up doing in my life. If I work hard enough with good deeds, then I will get mercy because they say, well, isn't that what verse seven is saying? But I hope right away, as I suggest to you that some people want to say, if I give mercy, then God gives me mercy from him to save me. I hope fundamentally you realize that is a critical error in biblical teaching. I hope right away you can sense the false teaching within that. So let's just kind of break that down a little bit. If our receiving mercy is dependent upon our giving mercy, this is a great moment right now too, just to annihilate a works gospel, works-based gospel. If, if you giving mercy is dependent upon God giving you mercy from him, we're dead. Because how do you know you've ever done enough? You're like, well, I did five good works today. Well, maybe God demanded 10. Well, I live way better than my neighbor. Maybe God's standards higher than that, which it is, perfection. How do you ever know that you ever given enough mercy? I mean, can you imagine the torture of living a life trying to say, if I'm this kind of person, if I'm good enough, then God will accept me in the end? I would die if that was my life, constantly trying to measure my spiritual growth based upon my own merit. Oh man, that'd be awful. And a lot of people live that way. They believe if I do enough good deeds then somehow I'll be better than people around me and God will then extend to me mercy. Well, that's not in the Bible. And one of the ways you interpret scripture is interpret scripture with scripture. When you're studying the Bible, always remember that. You gotta have a, a vast knowledge of the theology within the Bible so that you can handle a verse. A lot of false teaching, they take one verse and they blow it up and then they build a whole theology upon that one verse, neglecting the rest of the teaching of scripture. Don't do that. Scripture is interpreted with scripture. So if you have someone saying, blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy, therefore I must give mercy, therefore I will be saved by what I do. Time out, time out. What does the rest of the Bible teach? The entire new teaching of the New Testament is, for by grace you are saved through, through faith. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. So the entire biblical teaching in the New Testament goes against someone trying to say that legalism is the foundation for receiving mercy. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can merit. And verse after verse after verse is telling us that it's only by the grace through faith that the mercy of God actually comes upon us. And this is where we're going then within this teaching and trying to get ourselves uh, in the right place. So what, what, what is Jesus teaching within this verse? He's, he's saying this, he's teaching this, is that those who know how much they've been loved, those who have truly received mercy, will be the ones who give mercy as well. 
Those who know the love that they receive from the mercy of God, those are the ones who want to pass on to be merciful to others as well. You getting that? If you know the mercies you receive, then you will then desire to extend that mercy to people within your life. Hence, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And we're gonna tie this all up at the end of this message as well. So I step back from this and here's what's fascinating to me. Blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. One of the greatest keys then to living a blessed life is to know how blessed you are. One of the greatest keys to accessing the blessed life is to recognize that you are in a blessed life. One of the greatest ways to see the fulfillment of God within your life is to embrace and to acknowledge what he's given you every day. And then from there you say, wow, I'm so blessed. And then from there you desire to bless others as well. I have received the mercy of God. Therefore, I want to extend the mercy of God. Who am I to receive and not give when it's all been given to me by grace as it is? You starting to get it? This is what Jesus is saying within this beatitude. So the more I realize how blessed I am, the more I will live out the life of blessing. And this is why one of the reasons in Harvest Oakville, this saying is said a lot around here. It's saying today's another great day. Today we're having a very good day. Why? Well, because I'm saved, right? So that means I'm having a good day. Um, so people come up to me and, and often like, hey, Robbie, how you doing? Hey, Robbie, how you really doing? And I'm like, truthfully, like, do, you wanna, do, you, do you want me to give the, like, the theological answer? I'm doing really well. Why? I, mean, I actually struggle with that because like my body might ache and I might be exhausted and I could be fighting spiritual oppression from the enemy and I might have changed one too many diapers this day and that kind of stuff, you know? But the reality is I've really stopped. How are you doing, Robbie? Like, really? Well, I just saying it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. Was nailed to the cross, I bear no way. It is well with my soul. Hey, so when you sing that song, you're like, it is well with my soul. Is that happy or is that sad? Is that true or false for your life? That song is living out the reality. I have received the mercy of God. Therefore, I am blessed. I seek to bless others. Today's a good day. And that's what we're trying to live out. Now, life will be hard and you will have trials and so will I. But ultimately, we live by truth. And truth says, I'm going to heaven. Are you? <laughs> truth says, anytime now, Jesus is going to return. The moment he returns, man, wow, it's going to be fun. And sin is going to be gone. So that means I'm guaranteed that. Are you guaranteed that? Then today's a good day. You see, you see, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed by the mercy of God. And therefore, as long as I have in the time that I have, I'm desiring to see that blessing go from me into the lives of other people. Again, you gotta know how blessed you are if you wanna live the blessed life. This is why Paul says in Romans 12, verse one, 11 chapters of doctrine on the gospel in the book of Romans, 11 chapters of the glorious gospel unpacking. And in Romans 12, verse one, Paul says, ready? Listen, he says, therefore, by the mercies of God, Therefore, by the mercy that God has granted to you in his love through the gospel, therefore, by the mercies of God, present yourself as a living sacrifice. You see, if you get how blessed you are, you desire to take your whole life and live it out. 11 chapters of gospel doctrine. And the application is, if you get the doctrine of the gospel, you will live the gospel. And you will live then a blessed life not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. You want to be happy? Live out the gospel. By the way, you have another opportunity this Christmas to do that. 
This Christmas is another opportunity to get by the warmth of the fire of the Holy Spirit and realize what he's given to you. Here's my challenge to you. Just go ahead and try to be indifferent beside the manger this Christmas. I just challenge you, try to be indifferent as you walk over to Bethlehem and stand behind the manger. Try and stare down at this baby, this child of God who has taken on flesh, who has humbled himself from sovereign eternal rule and chose to be born among cows and in a feeding trough. Just, just go ahead, try to, try, try to stare down in his precious face and recognize that he is gonna live a life, die on a cross, be raised from the dead because he loves you so much. Try to be unmoved by that reality this Christmas. Stare at him in that manger and try and miss the mercy of God. Try and miss the wonder of God. Try to stand beside the manger and be bored, all right? Just try it. It's right here. Just walk up and, and, and take some time to gaze upon your Savior and try to be bored. If you can, or you can sit here and look and bow and worship and let the truths of the gospel soak into your soul again. And you will say, wow, I'm so blessed. And therefore I wanna bless others with the life that I've been given. This is what Mary did. Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Has he done great things for you? Can people tell? Can people tell? Can people tell? I'm not asking you to be happy, happy all the time, but I am asking you that we live with a joy that underneath, when people do ask us, how you doing, Robbie? That underneath, we're really trying to say, well, I'm really good. Like today's really hard, but I'm really good. You know, I've had a lot of moments of frustration with people, but I'm really, oh, wow, wow, I'm really good. Because the Lord has saved me. I was, I was at Bethlehem today and wow, Jesus Christ has died for me. He has come to live for me. He is, he is my everything. That's exciting. So I don't know about you, but this Christmas, like forget the shopping mall, I'm going to Bethlehem. Right now, listen, listen, doesn't mean I'm not gonna shop, all right? So if you see me in the shopping mall, like, hypocrite, hypocrite, all right? That's not what I'm saying, all right? All right? <laughs> what I'm saying is, is I'm determined for my heart not to go to some clothing store or some gadget store. I want my heart to be beside my savior in the manger this Christmas. I want the songs of Christmas to take my heart. I want my affection. I want my adoration. I want my love. I want my passion. I want my desire to be my savior. I don't want my affection, my love, and my desire to be in some empty worldly system of economics and nothingness. But you got to fight for that. And you got to choose right now that you're going to dwell on God's mercy to be able to be the one who's going to see God's mercy through your life. It's called good news of great joy for a reason. And you got to fight for that. Hey, you want to, um, want to turn to Luke chapter one with me for a second? Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter one, thinking of the mercy of Christmas. I love going to Christmas stories, of course, in December. That only makes sense. I love Luke chapter one and two in Christmas. It's got the most stuff in it, of course. It's my favorite, my favorite. Isaiah nine is also incredibly precious to me. Luke chapter one though, here is Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist. That's good, a little Christmas trivia. It's good, a little biblical trivia, that's good. I do it with my kids all the time, all right? Anyways, Zechariah, <laughs> Zechariah, father of John the Baptist. Look what he said, he's prophesying here. Verse 76 
he comes to the end of prophesying, Luke 1, verse 76. And he says this, he says, and you child, and you child, referring to his son, John the Baptist, you child will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. The ministry of John the Baptist was repent, repent. Jesus is coming. Get yourself ready. Prepare your heart for the savior of the world. He's prophesying over his son in the ministry he will take. He will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. John the Baptist preparing people, the savior of the world, the one who will grant salvation in the forgiveness of their sins. And it goes, why, why is Jesus coming? Why is God doing this? Verse 78, I love this. Verse 78, because of the tender, what's the next word? Mercy. You see that? Christmas is mercy, Merry mercy. Mary, mercy, the tender mercy of our God. And what does the mercy of God do? Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. The sunrise that comes, the darkness is dispelled. In the land they have seen a great light, Isaiah chapter nine. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. The mercy of God comes to shine light. The mercy of God comes to bring peace, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Christmas is about the tender mercy of God. So I'm telling you this, if, if you want to forfeit blessing this Christmas, then set your hopes on money, set your hopes on presents, set your hopes on, on pleasure. If you want to forfeit blessing, do that. This week I learned that there's this video game called uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, apparently. It came out about a month ago. Get this, get this, get this. This video game has had over $1 billion in sales in 15 days. Okay, just think about that. That is more than all the top 10 box office movies combined in the same period of time. $1 billion in sales. This has set records across the world. A video game already has apparently, apparently it's logged over 150 million hours of play within the last couple of weeks. It's a video game. You know, sometimes I like to speak to certain sections of our church. I'm assuming there's not a high percentage of women that's sitting at home playing Call of Duty. <laughs> but there are some men doing that. And particularly, there are some young men. And I hope maybe teenagers, maybe in your 20s, I pray not much older than that. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. It's a little bit funny, isn't it? But it's serious at the same time. What do, what do those stats tell us? Again, this, is, this is one example among thousands that we could pull up for our own lives. But let's just take this one right now. This video game is ruining lives. Like anyone who's going to be taking that much time and spending that much money, that is their treasure. That is their love. That is their idol. They are worshiping at the set of a screen in the midst of a fighting game trying to kill other people. That's a problem. And so I'll talk to our young men here right now. If that's you, young men, you have to understand what you're doing. You will not find your life being blessed. There is no way you're gonna win in this situation. Now, now, am I against video games altogether? Depends on which video game. Some absolutely I'm totally against. They're just flat out evil. 
Do my kids play video games sometimes? Sometimes, but I'm a parent right now. I'm trying to be a dad leading my family, leading my wife and leading my kids to understand from a very young age. Let's check out the heart for a second and find out how susceptible our hearts are to idolatry every single day of our lives. So I like to do right then and say, is that becoming an idol? And in my own life, is that becoming an idol? But let's miss the biggest point of all here. You will not be blessed apart from the ways of Jesus Christ. You will not be blessed if you move away from the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ and focusing on him as well. Do not let your Christmas become anything about the love, the mercy, and the humility of the Lord. You know, the single most important thing I do at this time of year, and I hope any time of year, is I make time for God in my life. The single most important thing I do to get myself understanding God's mercy is I need to make time for him. So I sat down today by myself with a cup of coffee. Thank you, Lord. All right. And with some, with some scripture before me and a couple of books I'm reading of spiritual nature that really just fire me up right now. One of those come along, I expected Jesus. And I'm looking at the next two weeks. and I'm like, okay, a lot of business coming on. How am I going to get to Bethlehem? Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. Live in the Light exists to see radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by Live in the Light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.